1: gentlemen, thank you for standing by. Welcome to Intertape Polymer Group's Q2 2021 conference call. During the call, all participants will be in a listen-only mode. Afterwards, we will conduct a question and answer session. In order to maximize the efficiency of this event, the question period will be open to financial professionals only. At that time, those with questions should press star, followed by the number one on their telephone keypad. If at any time during the conference you need to reach an operator, please press star followed by zero. Joining me from the company, I have Intertape Polymer Group's Chief Executive Officer Greg Yull and Chief Financial Officer Jeff Crystal. I'd like to caution all participants that in response to your questions and our prepared remarks today, we will be making forward-looking statements which reflect management's beliefs and assumptions regarding future events based on information available today. You are cautioned to not place undue reliance on these forward-looking statements as they are not a guarantee of future performance and are subject to a number of risks and uncertainties that could cause actual results to differ materially from those expected. Please see slide two titled Safe Harbor Statement for a further discussion. During this call, we may also be referring to certain non-GAAP financial measures as defined under the SEC rules. A reconciliation of the non-GAAP financial measures to the most directly comparable GAAP measures is available at our website at www.itape.com. Please also note that all dollar amounts are in the U.S. dollars unless otherwise noted. I'd like to remind everyone that this conference is being recorded today, August 11th, 2021, at 10 o'clock a.m. Eastern Time. And now I'll turn the call over to Greg Yall. Mr. Yall, please go ahead.
2: Thank you and good morning, everyone. Welcome to IPG's 2021 second quarter conference call. Joining me is Jeff Crystal, our CFO. During the call, we will make reference to our earnings presentation that you can download from the investors, investor relations section of our website. It was an outstanding quarter with strong demand across all our major product categories. Revenue was $377 million, up 41% from the depths of the pandemic last year. Adjusted EBITDA was $65.7 million, up 60%. Based on our confidence in the business and its strong and sustainable cash flow profile this morning, we announced an increase to our dividend of 8% on an annualized basis, bringing it to $0.17 per share or $0.68 on an annualized basis per common share. The demand trend into the third quarter remains strong at this stage of August. We typically have approximately three to five weeks of forward visibility and our current order book is as strong as it's ever been. Today, we are focused on three key elements to drive near-term performance. Number one, protecting the dollar contribution spread between selling price and cost of raw materials and freight in an inflationary environment. Number two, Securing sufficient supply to ensure we can meet customer demand across our product bundle. In this market, we are not just having to pay more for raw materials, but we need to ensure we can source them. Number three, efficiently operating our manufacturing assets to ensure optimal capacity is maintained, which includes the health and safety of our team and assets. We are executing across each of these three parameters. The team, across sales, customer support, supply chain management, and operations has performed exceptionally well to deliver these results. Demand was strong during the quarter across all of our key product verticals. We also saw growth across all our key product categories. The growth was led by films, wovens, curtain sealing tapes, water-activated tape, dispensing machines, protective packaging, and industrial tapes. You can see the influence of some of the hardest hit categories in Q2 of 2020 which were up significantly on a year-over-year basis in Q2 2021. However even our e-commerce vertical which was up approximately 40 percent in fiscal 2020 continued to show double-digit growth in Q2 despite a much tougher comparison to the strength we saw through the initial lockdowns in Q2 of 2020. We continue to experience strong demand into the third quarter across across key categories, where we have made investments in CapEx and acquisitions like water-activated tape, protective packaging, wovens and carton-sealing tape. We expect e-commerce to remain a growth driver for us. We sell into a broad range of players in the e-commerce market, while growth through the pandemic reached 40% or more for the largest e-retailers that lever, lep, level is obviously not sustainable. However, many small and large retailers have invested hard dollars in their e-commerce channel over the p- course of the past 18 months, and they expect a return on those investments, so we don't expect them to turn off the channel. In addition, e-commerce retailers have accelerated their penetration into a broader range of demographic groups, which should act as a tailwind to the ongoing share gains of e-commerce versus brick-and-mortar retail for the years ahead. We continue to expect growth in our e-commerce vertical well above GDP in the low to mid-teens, based on third-party forecasts that co- that cover the coming years ahead. We have strengthened our product bundle with the acquisition of Nuevo Pack, a manufacturer that designs and develops a range of machines to provide void fill and cushioning protection packaging solutions. NuevoPak was already a strategic supplier, so this acquisition extends our footprint up the value chain, capturing the value of the dispensing machine and the paper void fill conversion, as well as securing supply for these important inputs. We believe the Nuevo Pack acquisition positions us to sell to a broad range of e-commerce customers and strengthens the sustainability profile of our product bundle. While its contribution in the current fiscal year will be relatively modest, we believe that our scale and customer relationships set us up to deliver accretive growth with this new addition to our product models. We believe sustainability will be a long-term driver in the packaging and protective market. We are investing in both new products that offer sustainability benefits for customers like curbside recyclable products, as well as certifying our existing products with a cradle-to-cradle certification. During the second quarter, we published our annual sustainability report. The report expands on our prior work. It highlights our progress and includes increased reporting as we embrace sustainability across the organization as one of our core strategic pillars and long-term growth opportunities. To meet customer demand, we are expanding production capacity across multiple products. These are high-value strategic products, including a new water-activated tape line, And additional capacity for our films, wovens, and protective categories. As a result, as an update, we've invested approximately $25 million to date of the $100 million in growth and maintenance capex budgeted for fiscal 2021. We fully intend to commit the entire $70 million budgeted for capacity expansion, but there is a possibility that some of these expenditures may slip into the early 2022. This should not affect the timing of the realization of the $100 million in incremental revenue on a run rate basis that we expect in place by the end of 2022 and with additional revenue upside beyond 2022. Moving on to the supply landscape, prices remain volatile and sourcing supply remains challenging. At the time of the Q1 call, I commented that we thought raw material prices had peaked, and the third-party forecast informed that outlook. Since May, we've continued to see upward pressure on raw materials. Third-party forecasts now expect the current elevated pricing to persist, persist through the end of calendar 2021. To manage these pressures, we've implemented more than 30 individual price increases across various product lines since the beginning of 2021. In a normal environment, these price increases would take approximately 60 days to hit our income statement consisting of a 30-day notification period for price increase and then another 30 days to realize uh, the revenue. Given the high demand environment and the rapid price changing in raw materials, the market is accelerating this process in certain cases such that we are seeing shorter notification periods for price increases and we are also seeing the market be more aggressive in limiting the amount of pre-buying during the notice period to normal levels to prevent stockpiling lower cost products. Given the high demand levels and the production capacity restraints across the competitive landscape, the dynamics of the market have been and continue to be disciplined. As a result, and in this past periods of volatile raw material prices, we effectively managed to cover the dollar contribution spread between the selling prices and the combined raw material and freight cost increases. As we expected in this inflationary period, the simple math of this pricing strategy dictates as the raw material prices rise and we protect the dollar contribution, our margins narrow slightly. Despite this impact, we maintained our adjusted EBITDA margin at 17.4% in Q2, which is a 210 basis point improvement from the same period last year. For the remainder of fiscal 2021, we expect the math of higher pricing and protecting the dollar contribution to impact margins by approximately 150 basis points compared to what they would have been had prices remained steady with what we saw at the end of 2020. This impact has already been included in our updated guidance, which I will address in a moment. Paying for inputs is one thing, but securing sufficient supply has also been a challenge. Our supply chain team has been managing this very effectively. They've kept us in product and we've built raw material inventory during Q2 to both ensure we have sufficient supply and mitigate higher pricing. This strategy has impacted our free cash flows as we are now using more working capital. However, when pricing and supply constraints ease, we expect these working capital levels to unwind and generate higher free cash flows in future periods. We view this as a timing issue and a responsible strategy to ensure we meet the demand in the near term. It is not a permanent level of working capital required to run the business, a permanent new level. Based on the performance of the business to date, our order book and the current outlook for demand, as well as the persistence of higher selling and raw material prices, we are updating our outlook for the remainder of 2021. We expect revenue for the full year of 2021 of between 1.425 billion to 1.5 billion, which represents 21% growth over 2020 at the midpoint of the range. On adjusted EBITDA for the full year 2021, we expect between 245000000 255000000 which represents growth of more than 18% over fiscal 2020 at the midpoint of the range as we continue to protect the dollar spread. We expect free cash flows of between 70 to 80 million in fiscal 2021, which is a reduction from what we communicated in May, due to the impact that increased demand, supply chain constraints, and higher selling price prices and raw material prices have on working capital. However, as I mentioned, we expect to unwind working capital as pricing and supply constraints ease and capture that free cash flow in future periods. The business is in a great position to perform in the second half of 2021 and beyond. We are effectively managing the raw material challenges. We've covered on price and maintained supply in the face of ongoing strong demand. We are allocating capital in key product categories where we are experiencing our highest growth. We are bringing new production capacity online in both the second half of 2021 and to a greater extent in 2022, which will fuel our continued organic growth in the future. The capabilities of our team to manage these dynamics is extremely impressive. As the individual responsible for tracking their progress, I could not be more proud of how they've performed since March of 2020. With that, I'll turn it over to Jeff to review the financials.
3: Jeff. Thank you, Greg. On page nine of the presentation, we present an analysis of our revenue for the second quarter of 2021. Revenue was $376.7 million, an increase of 41% compared to the same period in 2020. Volume mix accounted for 27% of the increase compared to last year. As Greg mentioned, every major product category was up in the quarter, with the primary drivers coming from films, wovens, carton sealing tapes, water-activated tape, dispensing machines, and protective packaging. Price positively impacted revenue by 12% in the quarter, with the remainder coming from foreign exchange impact. The price impact was due to the multitude of price increases implemented to ensure we maintained our dollar spread. Turning to page 10, gross margin was 23.7% in the second quarter, an improvement of approximately 240 basis points compared to the same period in 2020. The primary drivers of the margin improvement were favorable product mix driven by continued growth of our e-commerce related products and the recovery of many other margin accretive industrial products compared to last year and effective management of the spread between selling prices and raw material and freight costs. Adjusted EBITDA improved 60% to $65.7 million from 41 million in the same period last year. The improvement was primarily driven by the margin drivers I mentioned earlier, product mix, and spread management. Cash flows from operating activities were 22.2 million in the second quarter compared to 40.5 million in the same period in 2020. The change is primarily due to working capital changes, including higher inventory at higher prices to ensure supply in this high demand, supply constrained environment, and an increase in federal income taxes paid, partially offset by the increase in gross profit. This compares to COVID 19 related declines in demand and conservative working capital management strategies implemented in 2020 in response to that uncertainty. Free cash flows were $6.4 million in the quarter compared to $35.3 million in the same period in 2020. The change was primarily due to the working capital changes I just mentioned, as well as higher capital expenditures. We finished the first quarter with $487.1 million in cash and loan availability. Our total leverage ratio at the end of the second quarter, which includes the unsecured debt, was 2.2 times. In June, we issued $400 million in new senior unsecured notes that bear interest at 4.375% and used the proceeds to redeem the $250 million 2018 senior unsecured notes, which carried a 7% interest cost. We also entered into a new $600 million credit facility that replaces the prior one. In doing so, we have extended the term to June 2026 and gained greater flexibility with a more favorable covenant structure and slightly better pricing and a $300 million accordion feature if needed. The investments we have made in CapEx and acquisitions have structurally changed the business, resulting in improved margins and a strong cash flow profile. We believe that both of these attributes are sustainable moving forward. Now I'll turn it back over to Greg for his closing thoughts. Greg?
2: Thanks, Jeff. It was an outstanding quarter. We continue to experience strong demand through the second quarter and now into the third quarter. Our order book remains strong as it's ever been. We are seeing growth across all major product categories. We've managed the price increases and supply restraints on a raw materials front and effectively covered the spread on a dollar contribution basis. We are executing on our CapEx projects to expand production capacity in key categories. We strengthened our product bundle with the acquisition of Nuevo Pack which supports our e-commerce business and IPG's sustainability profile. We improved our capital structure with the refinancing of the credit facility, new notes issuance, and early redemption of the existing notes. This structure provides us with greater flexibility and the dry power to execute on growth. our growth strategy. The diversity of both our end markets and our product offering, as well as the essential nature of our products, have been core to the underlying performance of the business. The business is structurally different today than it was five years ago. We are focused on executing our strategy to deliver for all of our stakeholders, building a global leader in packaging and protective solutions. With that, I'll turn the call back to the operator to open up for question and answer period. Thank you.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, if you'd like to ask a question, please press star and the number one on your telephone keypad. And we'll pause for just a moment to compile the roster. Our first question comes from the line of Michael Dumeau with Scotia Bank.
4: Hey, good morning, guys. Um, good morning, Michael. Another good morning. Another great quarter. Um, my first question is on the implied second half expectations. And if I use um, the mid-cycle, uh, sorry, the midpoint of your EBITDA guidance, you're essentially implying that second half EBITDA will be in line with that of the first half, and that's not typically the seasonality. So could you explain maybe, the dynamics um, that you're guiding to and, you know, whether or not we should be interpreting the guide as there, you know, being some element of conservatism um, still baked in?
3: Yeah. So, you know, I think those points are all valid. Um, And, uh, you know, I think for us, you know, certainly what we're seeing today in the business is is strength, you know, like Greg mentioned in in his prepared remarks, you know, the, the demand profile, that we're seeing so far is, is strong. You know, we're covering our spread. You know, we feel good about the second half. At the same time, of course, as we all know, there's uncertainties around, you know, COVID impacts, uh, supply, ca- ch- supply chain constraints, you know, there's just a, a multitude of factors and a lot of moving parts going on. Um, so, you know, what I would tell you is that, you know, we are certainly uh, cushioning ourselves for some of those potential impacts. Uh, so could it turn out better? Yes, it could turn out better you know, certainly I think if, if things work out the way they've been working out, well, we could end up at the high end of our range.
4: Gotcha. That's helpful. Thanks. Um, and then I guess on the margin profile, again, second half, the implication there again, using your guidance is that it would be lower than your Q2. And again, I acknowledge the fact that you've, um, indicated there is some conservatism, but just wanted to clarify that sort of the peak pressure in terms of, uh, price cost spread and margin,
2: um, is that, is that in Q2 or, or does that peak in Q3 just in terms of pressure? So where we sit right now, Michael, we believe that's going to peak in Q3 um, with where we are with raws. Um, and certainly, you know, as I mentioned in my remarks, you know, from from a May perspective, uh, we expected at that point to be at peak uh, and that ended up not to be factual. So we continue to see a run up. So we're continuing to experience, I would say, peak from a buy perspective. Is kind of July August in many of the categories, so that'll flow through our P and L in the third quarter. Perfect.
4: Uh, and then maybe one last one on capital allocation. You've raised your dividend. Um, I see that you've reinitiated the NCIb. <laughs> your your share is traded seven and a half times um, on on my numbers uh, for for next year, obviously. But you know it's presumably cheaper than a lot of deals that you're looking at. So just wondering, you know what the commitment level is to the NCIB and to maybe how you're thinking about servicing the value.
2: So as we sit here today, you know, certainly the the highest return for the company continues to be investing organically in uh, in growth capex uh, in areas like that. Certainly on the NCIB, it's a it's a discussion that we continue to have at the board level. And our position really hasn't changed as it relates to being opportunistic there. We've been quiet, as you know, for the past couple of years in that area. And uh, certainly on a go-forward basis, we'll have to see where the stock price settles out and and re-evaluate on a go-forward basis. But I don't really have a change or we don't have a change of our position as we sit here today um, relative to where we were last quarter. Perfect. Thanks, Reg. You're welcome.
1: Your next question comes from the line of Stephen McLeod with BMO Capital.
5: Uh, Great. Thank you. Good morning, guys. Morning. Um, Morning. I just had a question about uh, just sort of the the growth trends you saw on a a category basis. Um, You know, understanding that a lot of the dynamics have to do with uh, how how different categories performed last year. But I just noticed that protective packaging was sort of low on the list. And I'm just curious, uh, you know, is that related to potentially some some, uh, shifts you're seeing in demand? Or is it really just related to kind of year-over-year growth gyrations?
2: I would, I would and, and Jeff can add on here. So in that protective uh, products category, there's, there's kind of two different main categories of uh, protective packaging there. There's a system-based protective packaging, which is our um, pillow machines, airspace, things of that nature. And then there's the more traditional uh, bubble foam, things of that nature. And if you split that category apart, where the lower the lower growth ended up in that category is on the more legacy products, um, you know, the bubble and the foam area, and and on the system side we saw uh, uh, good growth because that's tied to some higher growth areas, and that's something that doesn't surprise us as we sit here today. Like that 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 didn't come off um, as something that that was a big miss for us uh, from that perspective because the. The key part of that business for us is in that systems approach of you know, the machine and the consumable and and tying back into that new new pack acquisition. That's the future of the business. The future of the business is not the legacy uh, bubble and foam area. Okay, that that's
5: helpful and that that makes total sense. Um just turning to Nuevo Pack, which uh which is an interesting acquisition. Um you know, does does New Pack give you a broader customer range or or is it really about broadening the, the product opportunities?
2: So I think it's a little of both. So certainly it gives us broader product offerings when we think of our position in North America and our ability to take that product into our existing customers, whether that's distribution or end users. So certainly that's a key part and, and, and certainly here ties us in very nicely... With sustainability, and then when we look at we look at opportunities within Europe, um, they have a position in Europe. It's not it's not uh, material, but certainly there's opportunity there from a customer perspective to broaden our our customer penetration with that product and other products within the protective space and packaging space. Um, so it does open up some customers within Europe. There's a little bit in Asia as well, but but I would say that Europe would be uh, first and foremost, and, and as we all know, when you think of sustainability uh, and where we are country by country or continent by continent, certainly Europe is further ahead uh, than uh, the U.S. specifically around needs for sustainable packaging uh, and certainly making a, a significant move to paper as opposed to plastic in that area. Right. Okay. Okay. That's um, that's great. And then. Maybe just
5: finally following up on the capital allocation question. Um, I'm just curious. You know, you did you you re, you re uh, sort of refinance some of the high cost debt, um, increase the dividend. You're active on the buyback. Um, can you just talk a little bit about, like, if you were to to uh, tier your your priorities for excess free cash flow? Could you just run through sort of you know top to bottom of what your priorities
2: look like? So, you know, my my comments around that are are very similar to to what they were in May. I think when you look at the capital allocation and the CapEx programs of this year uh, with, you know, north of 20% IRR, I still think if there are opportunities like that, that's the best return for shareholders uh, on a go-forward basis. Um, And then then working my way down the list, you know, at this point, I still think there's opportunity to deploy capital around M&A. Uh, such as opportunities like Nuevo PAC that gives us a differentiated product with a, a creative margin profile and a lot of runway uh, as it relates to opportunities on the top line um, and then working our way down to dividends you know certainly supporting the dividend with an 8% increase this year um, and, and share buybacks um, and as I said earlier to the earlier question you know the position on the share buybacks continues to be evaluated uh, and will continue to be evaluated, but we really don't have a change in position on that uh, as we sit here today. Okay, that's that's great. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thank you.
1: Your next question comes from the line of Neil Linsdale with IA Capital.
6: Hey, good morning, guys. And yeah, definitely. Congratulations on the quarter. Just touching on the Nuevo, Nuevo pack again, you talked about the, the clients and the potential there. Is there anything about the footprint or ability to uh, – would you be co-locating any other types of operations there to be able to take advantage of uh, uh, of that acquisition?
2: Specifically in Europe?
6: Well, I was thinking Europe and China, but Sure.
2: I so uh, I I don't see any complications in that as it relates to sourcing customers or or customer conflict distribution conflict. Is that is no? That I'm thinking right?
6: about no no. I'm thinking about opportunities. Is there any way to really expand on those uh, operations or locations that you're that you're getting?
3: Uh, you know, I think right now there's no plan for that. I mean, I think you know we, you know certainly when we think about. The Chinese operation, I mean, it's not, you know, when you talk about machine assembly facilities, they're not typically that large, you know, we do have capacity to grow there, Um, you know, and then, you know, potentially in Europe, you know, certainly if there's, if there's opportunities, not so much on the machine side, but maybe more on the paper converting or, you know, things like that, more the finishing side, maybe there's, there's some opportunity to expand a little more locally there, but, uh, but that's the extent of it. There's no, you know, major, no major plan
6: there. Okay, just want to check. Uh, And then on sustainability, I mean, we've been talking about this for years. And I remember last uh, investor day plant tour, you actually had some of your clients coming in to look at what you were doing as far as improving their packaging.
1: Uh,
6: As you're continuing to develop that, are you find you're either ahead of or behind your customers? Or is this a push pull uh, aspect?
2: I would say, I would say our customers. You know, when I look back on it um, and I think about where customers were four years ago, I think that's probably the appropriate time frame. Their desire for sustainable packaging in their mind, whatever their definition of sustainable packaging is, uh, and their willingness to pay a premium for it, because in some cases it costs a premium. Is definitely much different today than it was five years ago. Five years ago they were not willing to pay for that attribute if you will. So certainly from a customer behavior perspective that has changed um, you know over the past as I said five years um, and certainly you know our strategy around that is to take that as an opportunity for us um, and that's where a lot of our work is from a product development perspective and frankly and you saw it with Nuevo Pack uh, acquisition strategy as well.
3: Yeah, and I think it's really a bit of both, you know, when you talk about push pull, I and mean, I think, you know, we've tried really hard to become a solutions provider to our customers and working really closely. So when we think of especially our larger end user and distribution customers, we work very closely with them to understand the problems they're facing and trends they're seeing and, and try to work more in sync with them uh, to understand kind of what the next product need is or next solution need is. So I'd say it's kind of a bit of both and not necessarily one or the other.
6: Okay. Would you say you're more trying to sell your new solutions, or you're having more demand from the clients still?
2: It varies by product line. Yeah, and it's tough, okay. tough to, uh, tough to articulate further than that. Okay. Uh, and then just one more,
6: you know, from a big picture. You know, years ago you talked about, you know, you were you were doing a lot of bundling on your products. Obviously, you've expanded your product line since then, and you really wanted to own the packing table. Have do you think you've achieved everything you you could there, or is there more to do with the distributors, the packing table, uh, more products and services, or is so the low hanging fruit already kind of taken care of?
2: No, I think uh, specifically when I look at the packing table or think of like the pack out station, if you will, um, I think that's going to continue to evolve and I think products are going to continue to evolve and the need for equipment and automation uh, and the line solutions um, is going to continue to evolve. So I think there's a lot more work to be done there. There's a lot more innovation to be had there and and we're positioning the company to, to be able to benefit from that change uh, as we move forward in automation and sustainable packaging and things of that nature. Because I think, again, I think if you fast forward five years from now, you know, in in several cases, you know, we're going to be relying much more on automation, uh, end-of-line solutions, uh, and much more on sustainable packaging uh, from an end-of-line solutions perspective as well.
6: Okay, good. Best of luck. Thanks.
3: Thank you.
1: Next question comes from the line of Walter Spracklin with RBC Capital
7: Markets. Hi, it's uh, Riles on for Walter Spracklin. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. So, so, my first question, I just, I just wanted to touch on the sequential performance of the e-commerce product lines during Q2. Uh, I was wondering if, if you could give us some more color on how the Q over Q growth trended during the quarter, and, and if you've seen
3: any impact at all from retail reopening on
7: demand in these end markets?
3: Yeah, so I mean, uh, you know, certainly when we think of uh, growth quarter over quarter, and I guess the way I would look at it, you know, and obviously uh, Q1 was somewhat of an easier comp versus Q2, you know, we continue to see, you know, du- good double-digit growth in, in Q2, um, so continue to see strength, you know, quarter over quarter. Um, in terms of the reopening, I mean... You know, as, we've, as we've mentioned in the past, certainly there, there is more volume going into you know, brick and mortar as, as things reopen. And, and we are seeing some evidence of that, you know, some evidence of tapering of growth. But growth is still strong. You know? And I, I guess that's the point is we're still seeing good growth in, the, in those e-commerce channel, e-commerce products. Um, but also seeing, of course, good growth in you know, the rest of our business. As you know, 70% of our business is not e-commerce. Uh, And certainly the the reopening is helping on on that end. So, um, you know, so we are seeing some tempering in the e-commerce side, certainly as you lap the tougher comps uh, versus last year, that that will be, you won't see that same 40% growth, let's say we saw in 2020 over 2019, but we expect to see good growth. And certainly the other ones expect to see some outsized growth in the near term. Got it. Got it. That makes sense.
7: And then my next question, just looking at, at longer-term growth potential
3: after the current
7: capex plan is is finished here, how long do you believe that, that you can sustain current organic growth levels before another round of, of capex might be required?
3: Yeah, tough, tough to say. I mean, you know, I think uh, you know, obviously a lot's going to depend on, on on sort of where things, you know, go post COVID or, or is there going to be a post COVID and. You know, what are the trends going to look like there? You know, certainly we expect the the longer-term trends to continue with with growth in e-commerce, outsized growth in e-commerce over GDP. Um, You know, so certainly that will be what accelerates our growth. We're also continuing to see good growth in our woven side. Um, You know, with the the low-cost profile we've had, we were expanding there as well, and we expect that to to add some growth. And so we'll we'll see how that goes as well. Uh, But it's tough to say as you move further out, you know, what we've always said is that we're going to be a GDP plus grower from a longer term perspective. And so, um, you know, we, we would still stick by that and say that, you know, we, we certainly expect still some plus from the e-commerce, potentially from the Wovens as well in the, in, in the medium term. Um, and then, uh, you know, seeing that long term, that GDP plus growth.
2: And, and certainly from the perspective of what we're investing this year, you know, as I said, and we said in the, in the Q1 call as well, is you know, we expect additional run rate revenue of plus $100 million in Q4 of next year, and then 2023, that even increasing more. Yeah. That's a that,
7: really helpful color. Um, that's information you're asking the quarter. All right. Thank you.
1: Your next question comes from the line of Zachary Evershed with National Bank Finance.
8: Morning, everyone. Congrats on a great quarter you. so when raw material and freight inflation starts to taper off
2: where would you expect
8: your gross margins to settle on a percentage
2: basis so um, I'm gonna answer that without giving you a number so you know when we see when we see things start temp- tempering off from a selling price you know on the way down we're going to protect that dollar spread right so you'll see you'll see a increase in margin you should see an increase in gross margin increase in EBITDA margin uh, hard to give you a figure of what that would be um, you know we're calling out right now uh, on the second half you know approximately 150 basis points of, of pressure there um, on the on the margin side um, you know and at the end of Q4 we, we we kind of directionally got to a point where we talked about 17 and a half to 18 and a half kind of EBITDA margin i mean that was kind of a the more normalized range if you would um, so uh, hard to say but but again on a falling raw material environment um, you know we would manage that the same uh, and even in some cases try to increase that dollar spread between selling price and raw material cost
8: that's helpful thanks and then on that falling raw material environment given the working capital bill do you have any concerns of getting stuck with high priced inventory
2: Certainly, it's a conversation that we've had actively um, around the company. Um, I don't, you know, when we when we look at the dynamics of these markets uh, from a demand supply perspective, in the resin area, in the paper area, and hydrocarbon area, which are our biggest areas, you know, we don't see a scenario at this point uh, where we're going to see dramatic drops um, that are very material, right? So we see this. We see this stabilizing at a much higher rate than we were in 2020, Um, so we don't see those kind of massive drops in the future. Certainly if we start seeing that, we will start depleting our inventory um, and and minimize the impact on the way down, but but that's not a concern as we sit here right now. Thanks, that's great. And then one last one, a bit
8: more open-ended. Looking forward, you mentioned greater automation and an increased focus on end-of-line solutions. Uh, if you take that trend in combination with increased shipping in own container applications, does that give you pause on your total addressable market? Uh,
3: not sure we understand. The, what do you mean by the? What do you mean by that? Not sure I understand the well, question. What do you mean by the container? Yeah.
8: Uh, shipping in own containers so oh more products.
2: Own container. yeah oh um, look I think I think that ship and own containers is only going to affect a certain portion of um, specifically in the e-commerce channel um, and I think from from our perspective that's still an opportunity for us within those ship in your own containers to you know provide packaging solutions to that vendor um, so I don't I don't see that as being a dramatic shift on a go-forward basis to our profile right now.
8: Thank you very much. I'll turn it over. All right. Thanks.
1: our next question comes from the line of Ben Jekic with PI Financial.
7: Uh, good morning. Uh, great quarter, guys. I
1: do have uh, two questions,
7: and they're you know, maybe, maybe just a, a different way of asking some questions that have already been asked. But in terms of stronger, strong, so I'm assuming the strongest performers here, films, wovens, uh, carton sealing tapes, that's just on a percentage basis, g- given the weakness from last year uh, in these products, right? Yeah, a lot of that would be that. Okay. And, you know, we're all talking about e-commerce and, and growth in e-commerce. Uh, there's all these other sort of um, uh, sectors that that you're exposed to. Is there any like what would be the second sort of most pronounced trend in in some of the other some of the other uh, sectors that, that obviously you're benefiting from?
2: I, I would go back. I would go back to our woven business um, and and take a look at our woven business going into from a vertical perspective into ag into uh, building construction into areas like that. That business is performing exceptionally well, uh, both from a growth perspective, top line perspective and a margin perspective. Um, so that is, a, that is a growth engine that, that, that I look at and, and foresee a, a fair amount of runway as Jeff said, you know, we're doing an expansion there right now, uh, and uh, we're doing another expansion there uh, next year. That, and that's all accounted for within our guidance on our CapEx. So that business is performing tremendously well, both top line and bottom line. Right.
7: Okay. And then uh, just a a quick uh, question is when you say the uh, e-commerce low to mid single digits in terms of growth, is that over the next three to five years or like what would be the sort of time
2: horizon there? I don't think we said
3: low yeah digits. No, I think we said, I mean, most research reports that you read are kind of in the you know, double-digit, maybe low-double-digit, mid, mid, you know, mid-teens, something like that. Uh, so that's more the long-term growth uh, growth trajectory that we're we're certainly reading about, and certainly we've seen that over the last number of years. Uh, you know, like, yeah, so that's what we were referring to.
7: Okay, perfect. Thank you.
3: No Thanks, Ben. Thank you.
1: There are no further questions at this time and I would like to turn the call back over to Greg Yule for any closing comments.
2: Thank you for participating in today's call. We look forward to speaking with you again following the release of our third quarter results in November. In the meantime, I hope you and your family stay safe and healthy. Thank you.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, this concludes today's conference call. We thank you for your participation. You may now disconnect.
0: Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's Investor Relations section on their website. See you next time. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app.